You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by regular potter, the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. Today on Record Rangers, Ali McCoyst expects news on Rangers' managerial situation in the near future. We ask, has the time come for the Rangers board to make a decisive decision? Anne Budge comments on Rangers' UEFA licence criteria, so we assess the damage that continual fan-led speculation causes the club and how they can combat it. And we look ahead to preview Saturday's clash with Motherwell. Scott's starting with the Rangers managerials uh, situation. It feels like Groundhog Day. Ali McCoyst has been saying that he expects this to be cleared up or dealt with in the next two weeks. What do you think? Ali might have some inside info if he's saying uh, he thinks it's going to be dealt with in the next couple of weeks. Um, it might happen, but I don't. I don't expect. Uh, I don't expect any sort of firm decision on Graham Murphy's future in the next fortnight, Johnny. I must admit, I think the Rangers board um, decided when they when they handed Graham Murphy the reins that they were going to give him till the end of the season. I don't think that's changed. I think he's had some positive results and some negative results. Obviously, he's still got to huge games against Celtic before the end of the season, including the, the Cup semi-final, obviously, um, as well as big top six fixtures after the after the split. I think the Rangers board, I'm not saying they'll be relaxed about it, but I think they'll be pretty set in their mind that they're going to uh, gonna give it to the end of the season, see where they finish up, see how they do in the Cup, probably gauge... It's maybe not the done thing, but probably try and gauge kind of fan reaction or fans feeling about Murty come the end of the season and then make a decision. I don't really see the advantages of, of coming out just now and saying either Graham Murty's going to be a long-term boss or he's not going to be. Um, if, it, if, it's, if it's the latter, then I'd imagine that would only derail Rangers between now and the end of the season and even if it's the former if they decide uh, right Murty's going to be in charge I mean is it, is it really going to is it really going to have a, a major impact on the on the squad and the supporters between now and, and May I don't think so I think the board will be pretty comfortable um, at the moment and seeing how, how Murty gets on Yeah I mean I, I would agree with that I think that um, Graham Murty for most people me included has shown that he has something. Yeah, He's had ups and downs, obviously, in terms of his results, but I've seen elements, and I've seen at times, there's the making of a manager there. So I think it's very important the board don't take any knee-jerk reaction because it, people get emotional after a, a Celtic game. They, they're obviously upset because it's the continuation of Celtic's dominance in the fixture. 
for me though, Rangers have to look at the big picture, and the big picture is this season needs to be about overcoming uh, Aberdeen. It's not really about Celtic in the grand scheme of things. Yes, Celtic are always there; they're always looming, and that is the ultimate um, the ultimate goal. But at the moment, they just need to finish ahead of Aberdeen. And for me, to be honest, the Scottish Cup isn't even the the most important thing that that Scottish Cup uh, <coughs> match is coming up on. I think it's April fifteenth. Yeah, it's actually can they finish the season ahead of Aberdeen with a decent points tally ahead of them. The other thing I would say is. If Rangers are going to replace Graham Murty, and given that I've already said that he has shown that he has something, it needs to be with someone that will excite the fans. It needs to be a yeah. name like, and I, we've discussed these names before, Frank De Boer, uh, Slavin Bilic, somebody that's going to come in and re-energise the club. For me, other names that have been mentioned, people like Alec Neil, I'd rather stick with Graham Murty based on what I've seen than go for someone like Alec Neil. It's nothing against Alec. I think he's a good manager. I think he's done well, did well at Hamilton, had a great spell at, at, at the start at Norwich. But I think you need a number of things to be Rangers manager. One of them at this time is it's going to have to energise the fans. And for me, that kind of appointment, you're just better off leaving Murty in charge because mm. I don't think it would be an energising appointment. I think it would be a divisive appointment. Similar, I think, in a way to someone like Alec McLeish because... He's div- divided people, he's split the fans, and you see after one game he was already under a bit of pressure. I think it would be the same if it was someone like Alec Neil. Yeah. While I think he would do a fine job. <clears throat> I think I'm a big fan of Alec Neil, I must admit. Uh, and I think the job the jobs that he's had down south, um he's done remarkably well, you no know, getting Norwich up, albeit they can back down. They were still in a decent position when Norwich let him go. And I think if you ask most Norwich fans now, they, they probably feel that was a wee bit a wee bit hasty. Uh, and the job he's done at Preston has been incredible this season. You know, to see them on the on the kind of verge of the playoffs down there when you consider the budget and you know who they're up against. But if he could even if just by getting Preston into the playoffs would be an unbelievable feat. I agree, I don't think Alec Neil being named Rangers manager probably wouldn't energise the support. Um but that's not to say he wouldn't do a he wouldn't do a good job. I think no, he's he's certainly one that no, but we discussed it before. If Mark Allen's got a got a list of potential candidates, then you would like to think Alec Neil might might feature on it. I've said there that I think Graham Murty has got something. You you were agreeing with me. What what is it that you've seen? Well, first of all, I think we've mentioned it before. I think. He's grown into the job, you know, the kind of external side of it in terms of how he carries himself, um, you no, know, out with match days, if you like. I think he's really kind of grown in confidence. He's shown that he can kind of handle the, the magnitude of the job, which was in question when you consider where he's come from and, you no, know, this kind of rise for you know, under 18s, under 20s to suddenly, suddenly being Rangers manager. So I, th- I think he's got, no, well, he might. Once or twice, no, still show a wee bit of naivety, but I think in the main, he's shown that he can he can handle that side of it. And you're right, there has been games where Rangers have played really well and played some, you no, know, some terrific football. <coughs> uh, no, we've spoke about it again, but no, finding Josh Windass's position, for instance, is a big plus point for for Murty. We think of the goals and assists that Windass has had since since Murty came in. So there is. There is something there. I don't think MD doubts he's a good coach and will become a no a really good manager one day. But I think we discussed in the last uh, the last pod kind of post postal for him. Of course, there are still 
question marks. Um, you know, losing the, the Celtic game in the manner that they did against 10 men, following that up with a really flat, disappointing performance against Kilmarnock. So there's always going to be uh, there's going to be question marks over them. Um, and that's the that's the big decision. That's the decision we're talking about come the end of the season. I agree with you slightly in that, of course, it has to be about progression and closing the gap and being ahead of Aberdeen. But my God, it would help uh, Graham Murty's case if he could get a win over Celtic oh, yeah, in one be. of these last two games. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned the Cup. Of course, second place, being ahead of Aberdeen, that would have been the number one priority. But, no, I think at the start of this season, most Rangers fans and certainly the board would have been, it would have been twofold. It would have been second place, definitely. Have to cement second place, close the gap, get ahead of Aberdeen. But also, I think they would have looked at the two, two cup competitions and think we, we really need to get a... We'll get a really good run, get to a final, you know, or, or try and win one. I, I think that's that's still really important. Yeah, um, let's assume that we take Ali McCoy. Going back to the original question, let's assume that we take Ali McCoyst, um as having some kind of inside information when he says this. Yeah. Um, how do you think that would play out? Would it be a case that Rangers announced, like they did when Dick Advocat was announced, that the, this manager is coming in and he will come in for pre-season and Graham Murty will take the rest of the season. And if that is the case, then how would it affect the players when they've still got a lot to play for? That's what I mean. I mean, it's, if you were to do that now, it would need to be a big name. No, yeah. You're talking about re-energising the support. If you're going to announce that now, it really has to be somebody that's going to, going to excite them and get fans and players for that matter up for the no, they should be up for it anyway, but really get them going, no, to finish the season strongly. But I mean if you announce tomorrow, say, no, Frank the Bear's gonna be the, the manager coming in, I mean, where does that leave Graham Murty in terms of <clears throat> no how he sets this team up between now and the end of the season? Is his kinda no, is his focus then then lost a wee bit because he's wondering, no, what job am I going into? Am I gonna be part of a no, a, a new backroom team and like I'm back down to my under-20s job. I just think it would unsettle things too much. I mean, there's still, there's still a Scottish Cup to play for. They're still getting second in the in the Premiership and, and qualifying for, for Europe. So there's still uh, things to achieve. Beat, beating Celtic in a, in a one-off game is obviously another one. So um, I, I just don't see the, as I said before, I don't see the advantages of doing anything at this minute, unless, as you listen, unless it's a it's a huge name, a huge coup that the board somehow think this is just going to lift everybody. It's going to if we want to if we want to finish the season strongly, this is the thing that's going to do it. But so, I, I can't say, see that. Say it was Frank De Boer, for example, and they announced Frank De Boer's got to take charge of pre-season between now and the end of the season. He'll be attending games. He'll be reviewing the club. He'll be reviewing the players. A bit like what. Advocate, who was still in a job at PSV while this this happened, but the when he was appointed, it was announced that he was going to be appointed. <coughs> the process began, and famously, of course, that he was watching all the reserve games and saw Barry Ferguson. So yeah. on the day he arrived at Ibrox, he knew that Barry Ferguson was going to be the linchpin of his team. Yeah, um, and that kind of foreknowledge did did help the Advocate era start with a bang. Yeah, but that's not going to. I, I just don't see it happening. That was a different different time, Johnny. Different. 
different era almost, no, with the, with the money that was involved, where Rangers were as a club at that time. No, when you think of the names like Advocate and like Wen and people like that, we've spoken about it, I just don't, I just don't think Rangers, no, can attract that calibre, um, unless they really want to go and, go and push the boat out. And as I say, at this stage, when things are still uncertain, no, the Scottish Cup's still there, second isn't guaranteed yet, I'd be absolutely amazed if in the next uh, the next fortnight Rangers were to make a, a major announcement uh, with the with the next with the new manager. I second that. Just on Ali McCoist, um he's obviously been a bit of a divisive character over the last few years given his results as a manager. Do you feel that he's come out the other side of that now? He's back to being the cheeky chappy on BT Sport, but I think he's he's done really well and has been a good a- analyst. Yeah. And and the Rangers fans are maybe getting back into the groove of Ali McCoy's legend rather than Ali McCoy's field manager? Well, I think his, his uh, appearance at the, the Legends game last week was a no, it was a pretty big thing when you, when you consider. I don't... Th- he might have been back at games at Ibrox because I know, uh, obviously, his, his boys and stuff watch watch Rangers, but there's certainly never been a public appearance back at Ibrox. Um, and that's been a long time now since he's... Since he left the club as as manager, um, Ali McCoist, I'm pretty sure, will quite happily hold his hands up and admit, you know, that he made a lot of a lot of mistakes during that time. Um, probably one or two things he might, you know, he might regret doing. Or, I, I'm not sure, but I think, you no, know, looking at the rea- the reaction of of supporters now after the Legends game last week, where he obviously went and scored a scored a hat trick just- as McCoist does. <laughs> He's still doing that when he's sixty-five. Incredible, um, yeah. Listen, you, what what he did for the club as a player, um, and also even during his time as not to mention his time as assistant manager under Walter Smith, but even during the time as manager, whatever you might think of some of the decisions that were made uh, at that time, whether it be on field in terms of signings, wages, things like that, or off field. Things that were going on in the boardroom with the different different regimes. I think it'd be pretty unfair if that was to completely cloud what what McCoyce did for the club as a as a player. Um, he's in the greatest ever greatest ever Rangers team, quite rightly. Um, and I thought it was great to see him go back there last week and get that get that kind of that kind of reception. Any Alan McCoy goals that stick out for you? The one that sticks out for me would be. Pouring down rain, I think it was at Petaudry, might have been Ibrox, it's so long ago I can barely remember, but it's 2-1 two, two, Aberdeen, or it was 2-0 Aberdeen, McCoy scored the first, which was a, a cross in the box and he swept it away, it was the kind of conditions where probably the game wouldn't go ahead now, it was, it was sodden, uh, and the second goal, ball put in on his chest, he chested it up in the air, yeah, fifth one, I remember. Swivelled and hit volley. the ball on from the corner of the box into the top corner of volley. Yeah. One of the best goals I've ever seen. Yeah, it was at Ibrox. Yeah, it was at Ibrox. The, t- the two that stick out f- uh, for me probably is uh, another night where it was pouring the rain at Hamden against Celtic in the, the Cup semi-final. David Robertson gets sent off after six minutes uh, for his, a challenge in Joe Miller and Rangers just produced a kind of typical Walter Smith backs to the wall performance uh, to win one nil with McCoy's goal again typical McCoy's finish a kind of half chance on the edge of the box I think Stuart McCall gave him it 
and he kind of swept it away. Another one's also the overhead kick, I think, against Hibs. against Hibs at Celtic Park. He's about two the, stone overweight when he did the that league as cup well. final. I mean, that was him coming <laughs> back for the broken leg. Um, I think Walter Smith was reluctant to use him. I mean, I think he was, he was lucky he got on the bench that day. And of course, I mean, that was just Roy the Rovers stuff to come on and uh, to get the goal, but to do it in the manner he did with the kind of overhead kick into the into the corner to win the cup, that was just that was typical McCoyst. And listen, it's hard for well fans can't forget those kind of those kind of moments. I mean, they they've got to outweigh any kind of mistakes. I mean, I, I mean, it was before my time, obviously, but I mean, John Gregg, no didn't do particularly well as Rangers manager, you no, know, through a really tough time for the club, but it doesn't stop him being the being the greatest ever greatest ever Ranger. Well, yep, yeah, three hundred and fifty five goals probably not going to be easily forgotten. Mm-hmm. So we're moving on, Scott, to a subject probably have you tearing your hair out. Um we're going to talk about the UEFA license criteria. Um Basically, Anne Budge was asking, was answering questions on the Jambos kickback website. I'm going to read out the question and her answer. Um, the question was, will Hearts seek assurances from the SFA that Rangers meet um, FFP criteria for a UEFA licence for uh, next season, given that the company has publicly reported substantial losses in each of its five years of existence and requires further funding of $7.2 million over the next two seasons as identified in their last accounts? Blah, 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 blah. It goes on. Um, Anne Budge comments... All I can say is that Hearts have to jump through a lot of hoops to ensure we comply with financial fair play. We must assume that UEFA does the same with all other clubs, and it's UEFA who decide if a team can play in Europe or not. So if it is a conspiracy, uh, Scott, it's a far-reaching one. It's not a question of whether a club is in debt. It's a case of, is that club in a position to pay back debt? We have to compete in complete enormous amounts of paperwork to UEFA, the SFA and the SPFL. When we took over in 2014, we had to attend a lot of meetings to prove we could run a financially viable football club. There's absolutely no reason to think Rangers are being treated any differently from any other team in that respect. Now, I think her answer speaks volumes, um, but the question and the fact that it's being asked, does that also speak volumes about the current culture and what kind of damage does it have to Rangers? Sadly, I probably I think it probably does say a lot about the culture, Johnny. Because I mean, my immediate reaction when it, when I saw that, that the question being raised was, you know, why why Hearts fans would be so concerned with another another club's finances? Now, I know they would probably come back and say, well, it's because of the history of what's happened with Rangers in the last five or six years. But even then. No, but but then Hearts fans, well, the Vladimir Romanov well, exa- administration, exa- I mean, exactly. you would expect a little uh, solidarity yeah. in terms of that. I mean, if, Rangers, if Rangers' biggest crime through the kind of financial implosion was spending money uh, that they couldn't afford, which is the kind of staple accusation, if you like, then I think it's fair to say Hearts fall into that, fall into that category as well. So <clears throat> I think Ambudge has nailed it in the head. In terms of the FFP, I don't see why Hearts fans or anybody else would question whether Rangers might get preferential treatment from UEFA, of all people, when it comes to something like this. I mean, everything we read about financial fair play at the moment is how UEFA are chasing your PSGs and your Man Cities and all that. I mean, if these massive clubs, that kind of money is getting hounded, then... 
pretty sure Rangers are they going to are they going to get away with it? Uh, no, if they were if they were guilty of it as well. So I think Anne Budge has answered really well. It seems pretty pretty clear cut. Um, if there's any wrongdoing, I'm sure Rangers would get would get pulled up like any other club. But as you say, it's just it is a kind of sad indictment even now. Um, no, we get fans of fans of other clubs quizzing their own owners um, about another club's finances, especially as you say, given given Hart's financial history. Is there anything Rangers as a club can do to combat this, or is it a case of that if they were to come out and and speak publicly about uh, information contained in blogs, etc., they'd be opening the, the gateway to having to comment on everything, and therefore it'd be a very difficult position for them to actually be in. I think so. I think. I think with these things, the best, uh, well, the best course of action for Rangers is to do very little and no respond. I think once you get into that, once you get into kind of trying to defend yourself and get into a kind of slanging match, if you like, then no, it kind of goes, it kind of goes downhill for there. Um, I think it's, I'm not saying it's always going to be there for Rangers, but no, I think it's still going to be there for a long, long time. No, these kind of. No, these kind of negative blogs and, and stories and accusations and all the rest, no, the kind of suspicion that that, unfortunately for Rangers, that, that now goes with the territory. If you suffer a, an administration, then a liquidation, it's just going to, it's going to happen, especially at a club, a club the size of Rangers. Um, what, what can Rangers do? Listen, the only thing they can do, and it's the, no, it's the promise that Dave King and 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 Paul Murray and others who who went in um, to to kind of rescue the club is to run it you know, as a financial viable business and continue to prosper and um, you no know, show that the the finances are there to run it to run the place properly and you then just hope given time you no know, that a wee bit of trust comes back um, and they can just go on with running the running the football club. Have you found it, from a, a journalist's point of view, over the last six years, quite difficult to wrap your head around the complexities of some of these arguments? Because quite often, what they essentially boil down to, when you spend two, three, four, five hours banging your head against the the complexities of these arguments, is they're quite often legal arguments. And by yeah. that, I mean arguments that take Preston and look at potential issues here and potential issues there. And there's very it's, it's about the way you frame that argument rather than saying, here are the facts and here's here's what to make of it. Yeah. It's a constructed argument. Yeah, it can get it can get tiresome, Johnny, and I don't mean that to be <clears throat> no I, I don't want people to take that the wrong way, but no, we we're football journalists. I mean the the, the that kind of four or five year period during Rangers Kind of financial troubles <clears throat> was the most difficult, probably the most difficult time uh, I've had as a no as a kind of football writer because no I love football. The reason you get into this job is because you love watching football, writing about football, talking to players, managers, no talking tactics, whatever. Get no getting good lines, stuff like that. No during that period. No, you had to be. A, you felt as if you had to be a kind of Philadelphia lawyer just to get your head around some of the, some of the stuff. No, obviously it's not as bad now, but you're right. There's still elements of it. And no, when you do read blogs and uh, and different things, it's it can be difficult to get your get your head around. And I know it's a, 
I know some fans won't be happy, it's maybe a bit cliched, but no, you, certainly during that time and now, you just want to get back to the, just get back to the football. No, I think as a league and no, as, a, as a country, then no, that's that would be the best thing for everybody. Okay, well, we'll get back to the football now and preview the upcoming game against Motherwell on Saturday, 12.30 kick-off at um, Motherwell's ground, which his name escapes me. What's it called again? Fur Park. Fur Park, that's the one. How the hell have I forgotten that? Never mind. Um, that's what happens when you become old. Um, played twice in the league already this season. Uh, 2-1 victory at Fur Park already. I think memorable for Josh Windass's outstanding performance in the first half. A 2-0 victory at Ibrox, and the, the third game that took place, which wasn't in the league, was in the League Cup semi-final, with two goals from Louis Moult sending Motherwell memorably to the final. Uh, Motherwell are a physical side, they don't take prisoners. Very much so. How do you think Rangers will, will, will fare? I mean, they're going to have to be up for the battle, aren't they? They are. Um... I think, Johnny, if the game, if Rangers are allowed to play the football that they, they can play and, and that they've you know, they've shown this season, particularly away from home, and that, that first game of the season at Motherwell was a, an example of that. I mean, Rangers have got a lot better uh, football-wise since Murthy came in, but that opening day, obviously when Cushinia was still in charge, Rangers played well for a large chunk of the game. Doran's played well, getting the, getting the two goals. Windass was excellent for 45 minutes. Um, away from home, Rangers have got a real attacking threat now. Uh, whether it's on the break or when they're in control of the of the game, if if Rangers are allowed to do that, I expect them to go and go and win at first part, especially after the the previous two defeats. The worry is that if it turns into a physical battle, um, you would fancy a mother. Um, that's a mother team. I watched them a fortnight ago against Hamilton. And they were absolutely hopeless. I mean, New Douglas Park that day, Stevie Robinson kind of ripped into them after the game, quite rightly so. They were awful. And I thought they would be lambs to the slaughter against Celtic the following week. But fair play to them. With 10 men, I know Celtic weren't at their best, but with 10 men, they no, they dug in and managed to grind out, grind out a point. And Motherwell have got that, got that in them. So as I say, I think if the game turns into a, a real towsy battle on Saturday, that's where questions will be asked the Rangers. And you know, we all know that the cup semi-final, albeit it's a slightly different, well, it's a much-changed team now, but in the cup semi-final, Rangers were left wanting, just couldn't handle that physical side of it, and that's that's why they lost the, that's why they lost the game. In the cup final, though, they had the deadly Louis Moult. Yeah. And... Uh, the second goal in particular is an outstanding finish. Yep. Really, really top quality at this level. Now, they've replaced him with Nadir Chiefty. Nadir Chiefty. Well, they've, they've replaced him with Curtis Main, basically. He, he's the main striker. He, he's Moult's replacement. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Main uh, is as no, good a natural finisher as Moult, but his work rate is incredible up, up front for a centre forward. He'll just work that. Rangers backline all day. Um, it'll be interesting to see who Robinson goes beside him. It might be Chief G. He might play an extra midfielder for a couple of weeks there. He played Craig Tanner just off him, but he's injured now. So, Main will definitely start. He'll cause Rangers problems No, with his movement and his work rate. Especially, we might discuss it, but especially if, if Graham Murty goes with the two veteran 
centre backs and Alves and Martin. No, I think main can cause them cause them problems. Um and Rangers are going to going to deal with it. In terms of the midfields and the problems that have uh, risen over the last couple of games, is now the time, considering Motherwell almost certainly will go with a five in midfield for Murty to make a decision on, on Josh Windass and potentially either bring back Dorrance or Jason Holt into there and make it a three? I don't expect Dorrance to start. Uh, I think he might be in the squad, might even go on the bench, depending on his fitness, obviously, coming back. Um, it'll be interesting. My gut feeling is that Murty will just go with the same same system again. Uh, and that'll be... You know, I spoke to somebody last night who was questioning whether it's time to take Sean Goss out of the team after two relatively poor performances. Um, you could bring Jason Holt in for him beside Doherty, which would be a bit more workmanlike, a bit more energy maybe. But I can't see it. I just think on the back of the international break... No, that Rangers squad should be pretty pretty fresh. No, they can, they can almost kind of put the two games behind them, properly behind them now and almost like start afresh at first part on Saturday. And, and I think, I don't think Marty will change too much. I expect Morelos to come in for Cummings up front. Um, I think it was a mistake. We spoke about it before. I think it was a mistake to drop Morelos for the Kilmarnock game. I think Marty will regret regret that decision because it, it backfired um, n- no that's nothing against Jason Cummings no but we've discussed before how he's just no we don't think he's suited to, to being that kind of lone front man um, but no, I think he'll just revert back to, to type with Windass just off Morelos and Goss playing, playing centre mid. Is that not part of the problem because when Graham Murty first came in he changed formation uh, across several games uh, initially the diamond worked particularly well against Aberdeen. And could it be the case now that he's just become a little bit predictable? You know, he plays this 4 4 because it is more like, people say it's 4 5 1, but for me, Windass is more like a striker than he is a midfielder. So for me, it's like the old fashioned Arsenal setup when they had Dennis Bergkamp and they played four, two banks of four and then a, um, a guy just in front and then a striker. Yeah. He was more like a second striker, the old-fashioned sort of... Uh, he could he could say 4-2-3-1. I mean, I know it's we're getting pedantic, but 4-2-3-1, yeah. I think pretty much Doherty and Goss kind of sit, and obviously Windass is the one ahead of them. I think the two wingers, you know, Murphy and Candias, are normally high up the pitch. No, they, I know they, they, they have to track back on occasion, but they're pretty high. I, I think it's a 4-2-3-1. And I think that's the system that, that Murty likes and he decided a while ago that that was how he was going to go. I think the problem area was wide left. He sorted that in January with Murphy. He always believed Windass's best position was in that 10, you know, with two behind him. So he's got him in there and in the main, uh, Windass has produced and it's worked. I've spoke before about how Morelos does that lone striker role really well, despite... Uh, a couple of glaring, glaring misses. So, listen, he might, he might tweak or tinker with it on Saturday, but I just, I don't see it. I think again, the problems will be at the back. No, oh, who, who he goes with at centre back, he's not got many options now. Because obviously, Motherwell play a three-five-two, so the temptation would be, I would imagine, for Stephen Robinson to um, 
uh, as they have been doing recently, stick a guy off the front. So it's almost like a 3 6 1. Yeah. And then Rangers have got two midfield players going up against four. Yeah. Which is actually what Celtic effectively yeah, I, did in that first half. I can see Motherwell doing that. Um, and how Rangers combat it. I mean, we, we've been over it so many times, but I mean, it, it, Windass has got to drop in and help his two midfielders. Do, do, I mean, you, we had Mark McDougall last week, uh, a big fan of, of Windass, a big defender of Windass, and he was saying he felt that it wasn't that Windass can't do that, it's that he's been told not to. Do you, do you believe that? No, I don't. I, I mean, I, I'm all for players making decisions themselves on the park, knowing if they see something's going wrong, they go and fix it. I'm sure every manager, every coach would want their players to do that. I don't believe for a minute Josh Windass is deliberately no no going and helping his his midfielders. Um, I think he's I think it's Murty's decision ultimately. Murty's got to say to him as much as he wants him to play in the number ten and try and support Morelos as much as he can. If there's periods in the game where Rangers are on the back foot and Motherwell are getting a foothold in it and controlling the kind of the tempo and the rhythm of the game. Winda Murty's got to tell Windass to drop drop in and make it a three in the middle of the, the middle of the park. If Motherwell are pl- as we expect play a three at the back, with all teams that play three at the back, you always feel where you can get at them or where you can expose them is down the sides of the centre backs. So that's where you want to have Candias and Murphy as high up the park as possible, causing them problems. Um Windass actually did it in that first game of the season when he played wide yeah. left, caused them all sorts of problems. Um, but if you get your two wingers high up, that means there's even more uh, onus on Windass to, to drop in when they've not got the ball and make it a three and help help Goss and Docherty as much as they can. You're, you've talked about um, Graham Dorans often on this podcast, um, obviously with him near in fitness. And we've discussed the fact that Murty does like this this formation, 4-5-1 or 4 4-2 in a variant however you want to discuss it. it is it the number 10 position that you see Doran's coming back into or do you think he'll be direct competition for Goss I think he can do both Johnny and again my instinct would say that in games where you're going to have a lot of the ball and you're expected to win games at Ibrox I would have no problem playing Doran's just as one of the conventional central midfielders but I think in you know, big games, tough games, particularly away from home, your Celtics, Aberdeens, maybe even Motherwell on Saturday, then Dorans can do that because even in that number 10 role, it would be Dorans' natural instinct to drop in and go and help the guys behind him because that's his kind of natural. I mean, these younger days, Dorans was more of an attacking player, there's no doubt about that. As he's got older, He's kind of dropped a bit, a bit further back. Um, I think if you asked him, he would probably prefer just to play as one of the, one of the kind of sitting, sitting midfielders. I think, no as a, no as a real anchor man that never moves, no in front of the back four, but just as a kind of box to box midfielder, if you like. Um, but I think, as I say, for big, big games, no Celtic games, no games away from home, I would have hit him in the the attacking midfield role with two behind him. Because he does have that intelligence, the game management skills to drop back in if necessary, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Windass, I mean, Graham Doran's this stage of his career maybe isn't as 
dynamic as Windass and that kind of attacking third. Definitely where, not. Yeah. Where Windass can really go beyond, you know, and go past players with, with pace and, and, and go and finish. Um, that that probably used to be Doran's game, but he's, he's kind of tailored it more now. But as I say, if I was going away from home, you know, to a Celtic part or a Pitodri or whatever, then um, I would say if you're going to have three central midfielders, I would have Doran's as the more, the more advanced one. Okay, Scott, that's all from us. Um, we'll be back next midweek, hopefully earlier in the midweek, uh, next time uh, with more news and analysis from all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If there's anything you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, just get in touch and ask us the question and we'd be happy to read them out. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>